Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, welcome back to the Ohioan. Rachel Coyle from uh, How Things Work at the Ohio State House Facebook group is back with us. Thanks for coming back, Rachel. How's it going today? Oh, crazy as usual. How are you? Yes, definitely. That was our conversation right before we hit live. Yeah, definitely. It, it's been a nuts day, but it's exciting. It keeps us busy, and obviously it's good uh, you being involved with the Ohio State House. It's good that things are happening. It, it's, I feel a lot better as a taxpayer than if you say, oh, it's boring, nothing ever happens down there. No, but as we know, it's been a very, very crazy time. Uh, a couple things kind of struck me this week. Uh, first of all, was the budget. Now, I had two things that were on my mind. Let's talk about those. But you got a couple other things you're telling me about that sound interesting as well. Uh, first of all, on our morning show, we kind of joked about this. Ohio wants to spend $50 million uh, for a marketing campaign. Now, in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think the governor kind of misspoke when he said progressive. Because progressive means different things to different people. And that was a word that a lot of people easily jumped on and <laughs> said, hey, um, you know, Republicans and Mike Wine don't seem to be the most pro- progressive people. But I, I guess if I had to jump in his mind, he's probably trying to say, hey, we want to make Ohio more appealing to move to and live at and everything. Well, what do you think about that? I, I've got mixed feelings about if that's the wisest um, investment. Yeah. So the governor wants to spend uh, $50 million to encourage folks to either move to Ohio for the first time or move back if they maybe were raised here and left. Um, and the counter argument to that, which I've been seeing a lot of people make, is maybe we could just pass legislation and, and laws that actually make people want to move here. Uh, right. You know, some basic things we could do that would cost us a lot less money that might make Ohio more appealing as a state rather than having to advertise it as an, an appealing state. You know, right now in Ohio, it's still legal to discriminate against LGBTQ folks. Uh, in housing and public services and in a lot of other areas and things like that that wouldn't cost us a penny that would make Ohio look more progressive, more appealing to maybe younger folks uh, rather than spending money on that ad campaign. Well, I even kind of wondered too, you know, you make a point with the rules and everything making it more appealing, but also as well, you know, I'm in the communications business. We were talking the other day about, hey, if I'm a Columbus PR firm, I'm calling Mike DeWine saying, okay, I want my grant to come in there because we all want clients. We all want money. And if there's $50 million in a pot out there, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, the government would have to give it to somebody. And again, this is if the budget gets approved. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I kind of wonder, too, even with $50 million, it's not just like a rule thing. It's more of what things could you bring to Ohio? Because, again, you had $50 million. Could you imagine if you give $50 million in a, 
and a grant, and maybe not to one person, but to people saying, hey, I want to bring in this attraction to Ohio, or I want to bring in this thing to Ohio. I mean, it seemed to be better than a marketing campaign that may or may not work. I mean, hey, I've worked in marketing campaigns. Some do great, some don't do great, you know? It, it seems to be that might be a, a never, I'll put this way, never way you can spend the money. Sure. And, you know, there's lots of even infrastructure we could build. We could throw right. $50 million more million into expanding broadband internet or public transportation, things that are going to cost us a lot of money that would make people want to move here and settle here and build businesses here. And we were joking every day, too. I don't know if there's one, like, like they're not giving $50 million to a pitch man, but who is that pitchman for Ohio right now? I mean, Ohio's got a lot of great people here, but I'm wondering who's that one face of Ohio? Like, we were speculating every day who that could be. We're not even sure who you would put out there to be that one face. I mean, a lot of great people here in Ohio, but I'm not sure that one, you know, out of the box, hey, this is the guy to do it. There's a lot of great people from Ohio, but um, I'm thinking there's better ways we could spend that money. You make a point. <laughs> we'll put that way. <laughs> uh, speaking of broadband, uh, yeah, there was um, some money pledged, I guess, to broadband. Because, again, it, it's a budget proposal. The state house has to look at it. It's got to be approved. But obviously it made news because the governor said, hey, here's what I'd like to do. So in the media and, and just all around, people are talking about how this money is even being thought of to where to go. Uh, but I, I think about broadband. Uh, Two hundred ninety million is being projected to broadband, and I was saying on the show this morning. I've got mixed feelings about this because, in some ways, yeah. I mean, especially during a pandemic, broadband is important. But you know, I used to work for a nonprofit that tried to help bring broadband to the state. And a lot of the pushback we were getting from the companies was, hey, yeah, everyone should get broadband. We're not going to argue about that. But the monies, I mean, you're talking major monies to run wires, you know, down to Southern Ohio and everything. So I, I don't know how you feel. I, I'm feeling conflicted because obviously I want more people to have broadband. But is the cost worth it? I mean, there's a lot of cost to do what you need to do with getting broadband more homes here. I think I'm going to disagree with you there. I think broadband is crucial. Uh, for okay. For, from a business perspective alone, you know, companies aren't going to want to come to Ohio if they can't set up anywhere but in these major urban areas because they right. don't have the ability to run a business. It's also critical for healthcare purposes. You know, telemedicine is big even before the pandemic. Folks in rural Ohio didn't want to have to travel all the way to a doctor. Schools mm -hmm. are using broadband internet because a lot of curriculum is done over the internet now. They'll send kids home with homework that you have to do on a computer. And we've right. got kids in Ohio using their phones, trying to do their homework on their phones, which puts them at a disadvantage automatically from kids in the cities. So it's uh, there's huge, huge need for it in lots of different sectors. And also it'll keep Ohio competitive with other states. So I'm a huge fan of spending that money now so that we can invest in us in the future. Well, I'm hoping they can develop technology mm -hmm. now, which... I think companies can do that now, you know, between you and me, but now and in the future to make it more efficient, I guess what I'm saying. Because not just from a governmental grant, like, you know, the governor's talking about doing, but just even in the future where more internet's needed, it would be nice to develop something where they don't have to run wires. Because again, back when I worked for the nonprofit, they're always like, oh, we're running wires. It's going to cost us, you know, a billion dollars or whatever else like that. And it's like, hey, like any other business, find a cheaper way of doing it to make business more efficient for you and to greater serve your customers as well. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I wonder, too, the timeline for that, too. 
you know, if the budget gets passed and 209 million stays in, I'm wondering what the timeline would be to make some of those improvements. Um, unfortunately, it does not happen overnight. But I'm with you. I mean, I think anything that can get more broadband into the state is good. Mm-hmm. I, I get frustrated not at that there's too much broadband, it's just more of the cost. And it's not even saying let's don't do it. It's more of how can we make this cost more efficient to bring it to more people? Because it'd be nice if tomorrow everyone can have broadband. I'm just not sure what that cost would be. It might be more than 290, 290 million, to be honest with you. Sure, and so, they may have to do it in stages, but you know, every mm-hmm. every place that we can take it where it currently isn't is going to be uh, increase the opportunity for for companies to move in there and for you know schools and healthcare providers to work out of there. So you know, it could be a process. It could take us a few years, but it's just like in previous centuries where the government helped bring out electricity uh, to the rural areas, helped bring out running water to the rural areas. You yeah. know, you got to do it eventually, and you have to set up that infrastructure before you can build. And with all the pandemic, I mean, the internet's become vastly mm-hmm. more important, not just for goofing off watching Netflix. I mean, there's a lot of critical things that are being done, and I, I'm hoping that once this pandemic ends and uh, we'll be lucky if it's the end of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think once this ends, it's going to be interesting to sit here and think, how would our reliance on internet help make life a little bit more easier in the future? Like for my family, you know, we take kids to the doctor via, you know, telemedicine. Mm-hmm. And it's good. It saves time. It saves some money. And we like that. So I think the challenge for Ohio is even after, whenever the pandemic's over, how do we take some of these good lessons we've learned to say, let's make life better in the future? So. We've tried. We tried to do it a couple different ways through legislation at the state house. Uh, we tried to pass it using third frontier bonds a couple years back that are only allowed to be used on uh, technological advances that'll help Ohio compete with other states. So the argument there was you got to use that money for something and it's got to be in this very specific realm. Let's use it for broadband. Uh, But we weren't able to get that bill through. So hopefully the governor's budget this time around has taken that into into account. Well, it sounds like there's some decent money pledged. It'd be interesting to see what the reaction is and, you know, hopefully good things happen. I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, now, for lay people, and I'm in the media, so I pay more attention than maybe the typical citizen does, but a lot of times, sometimes we fall in this trap as media, and uh, regular citizens fall in this trap going, oh, my goodness, budget. <laughs> you know, I, I guess more broadband's nice, and I guess, you know, if we're going to have a big marketing campaign, that's nice, but I don't want to hear about the rest of this. Don't talk anymore. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to prove everyone wrong and, and why we should care more about the budget than just broadband and this marketing idea they have. Sure. So every two years, Ohio passes is a massive budget bill, thousands of pages sometimes, that helps fund pretty much every major program in the state for the next two years. And these are your tax dollars. So if you want the state to spend money to expand health care or to fix our unconstitutional education system or expand broadband or um, invest in small businesses or in local governments, you know, all of that money has to go somewhere and they decide in this budget bill where it goes, who gets your money and what they do with it. Uh, So if you want it to come back to your community, that's got to be in the budget bill. If you want it to help fill those potholes literally right outside your house, that's got to be in this budget bill. So we have to, as citizens, participate in the process so that that money is going places that actually helps us. 
Well, definitely, especially when you think about local governments. I mean, mm-hmm. I know in covering some of the local means they used to do, that was always a complaint going, oh, the state's not giving as much money in the past. And I know it's even going to be a bigger complaint as we try to gear ourselves out of, out of not just the pandemic, but once the pandemic's over, there's still an economic hole we have to climb out. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, and I know of great importance to wherever you live at in Ohio saying, what monies are we getting from the state to help? you know, fill in the gaps of us, you know, the local taxes we've lost and everything. Yeah. So, otherwise we have to pass more and more levies on our local ballot right. to increase our lo- local taxes. And when those don't pass, you know, that can, that can really hurt local communities. Okay. Um, we had something else we wanted to talk about before we get there. Anything else on, on the budget that we should know about? I mean, I know we, we talk most weeks so i mean we can update because i know it sounds like this week it seems to be more being released and more the media is kind of going through so i'm sure this will be part of a discussion in future weeks but anything that's stuck out to you right now yeah so right now we just have the governor's proposal then it has to go through the house and then through the senate and it has to be done by the end of june so we'll be talking about it for months uh the other major thing to look at is education funding reform could end up in the budget Ohio's education system was ruled unconstitutional in the 1990s, in 1997, and several times since then. So there's a big push to actually fix that that problem and fund our schools in a, in a more fairer way. Uh, but that is going to be a big fight for the next couple months on what they do in the budget, if they do anything at all. They're going to be kind of busy. I mean, you know, we talked every week about redistricting, and that's, I, I mean, that sounds like it's going to be a major process. So Lots going to be happening. Lots of stuff to talk about, I'm sure. All right. Well, let's talk about this. And let me pull up the picture. I'm sure not everyone saw this. um, But uh, this was a hearing. And I'll describe it because a lot of our listeners listen in and don't see the picture. Uh, But there was – what type of hearing was this today? Um, So this is a Senate committee hearing. Uh, They were hearing a bill, SB 22, that would basically allow – uh, the legislature, the state house, to overrule Governor DeWine on any executive order or emergency order that he would issue. So that would impact all these health orders that we have, for example, right now during COVID. And they, there, as you can see in the photo, uh, for people who are looking at the photo, there was a lot of people in this room. Dozens and dozens of people came to this hearing, and almost none of them wore masks. They did not uh, distance from each other physically at all. And it made folks who are forced to be in that room, staff and legislators and reporters, feel incredibly uncomfortable because, you know, we know from from research and, and months of dealing with COVID that one of the worst possible things we can do during this time is sit in large groups indoors without masks on, uh, which is what was happening today. And the picture is courtesy of a friend of the show, uh, Tyler Buchanan of Ohio Capital Journal. Um Looks like he took the picture from his TV or, or screen, and he tweeted that out. Um, yeah, it, it's frustrating to me. And I know what the answer is, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, you know, with it being the state house, I, I don't know. I, I was in debate in high school, and we debated all this philosophy. And we debated uh, social contract, a lot of the um, philosophies that kind of helped found our country. And the social contract is, hey, we give up some of our rights to maintain a good, a good, a social order. And I know that this mass thing is a hot button political issue. And, you know, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, sometimes you feel different ways about that. But, you know, if you're in a room with various people, 
it would just make sense during a pandemic to say, all right, if I'm going to be here, I'll just put a mask on for, you know, an hour or two, however long that hearing ended. It, it just makes me scratch my head. Just the process of going in there saying, oh, I'm not wearing a mask. And again, I think part of it was they're trying to make a political point, but it, it frustrates me personally when you do that during a pandemic. I, I mean, there's a lot more issues going on here than just making a political point. Yeah. And, you know, we have other issues that make it more frustrating, too, where right now they're not allowing uh, citizens to testify on bills uh, virtually via Zoom. You have to physically show up if you want to come testify. And that means that folks who are, aren't comfortable around a lot of unmasked people are going to feel like they can't come share their opinion. Uh, and that keeps people away from participating in the process. So maybe if they were to allow virtual testimony, it would be more acceptable. Uh, but we also had a legislator have to leave the hearing, Senator Thomas from the Cincinnati area. Yeah. His mm -hmm. daughter is immune compromised. And he told reporters he was scared he was going to take this virus home to his daughter and accidentally make her very, very ill. Uh, and so we had to you know, take all that into consideration at the state house. And right now they, they are not doing that. Well, it's a shame it's become such a political issue because I know that there's been um, some, you know, motions made going, hey, we should motion that everyone wears a mask during um, testimony. And, and this is back even last year when the pandemic was starting. And I know it became a political issue where people voted it down. And everyone's like, all, all like the summer stuff. But, you know, I go back to your point, too. If we can have virtual hearings, it's not even a win for Democrats or a win for Republicans you can still vote how you want, but virtual hearings seem to make more sense. I mean, we see that even in Washington with some of the hearings they do over there. Um, you think it would make more sense? And I, I, it's not like if you vote for virtual hearings, you're giving one political party a victory. You're giving health a victory, you know? Yes, and honestly, I think we should have virtual testimony all the time, even after the yeah. pandemic. You shouldn't oh, I agree. take off work and drive to the state house, which could be you know three and a half hour drive if you live up in the yeah. Yonkers area. Um, to come and share your voice with your legislators. You should be able to testify virtually, you know, hop on your computer. We definitely have the technology uh, to make that happen. I don't know why they wouldn't do this year round. Well, you, you think from a media sense, I mean, look at the DeWine press conferences. You've got more reporters taking part, like from Xenia and Youngstown and other parts, and people that if they had to drive down each day, probably wouldn't be able to do it. So mm -hmm. you have more media access, which is good for the general public, but also, too, um, and, and I think this rule, and I'm not sure if the state house could do it, we should do this for public meetings. I mean, even like your local city council meetings or township trustee meetings, you know, do that. I think it would make it so much more easy for a democratic process, and it just makes democracy more easy to put your hand around. I mean, there, there's a lot of families that can't go to a city council meeting at night. Not that they don't care about democracy. They've got family stuff going. they got to put their yeah. kids to bed. got their kids. Yeah. Yep. It seems like a no-brainer to me. I really, it's hard to not be cynical about it because it makes you wonder if they're doing it because they don't want more people to participate. Uh, but I really don't know what the other, what the other reason would be for not having virtual testimony. And, and pulling that picture up, wasn't the people not wearing a mask trying to make a point just saying, hey, you know, don't tell us not to wear a mask so we're not wearing a mask theirs. Yes. I mean, so okay. Or Bill, these folks were trying to prove a political point. I very much hope that uh, it doesn't end in a super spreader event where they all took a virus home to their families. I really hope that doesn't happen, but they increased the odds that it would happen today. 
Well, and, and you would think, and, and again, every time we say this, okay, it's one political party. I, I understand that. But you would think with some of the trouble that the last administration gets in. Again, forget if you like the last administration or not. But there were events that nobody wore masks, and then shortly after, a lot of people got sick. So you would think even the lessons you took from there, take the political parties out of it, if you like them or not, and just say, hey, maybe it's not a good idea now to have a large public event where we're not wearing masks. You know what I mean? It just the common sense would be there. And I think the danger is anytime we bring this up, obviously, if you're on one side of the party, you're like, oh, those guys, you know, they're against us or whatever. No, it's... <laughs> How do you be comfortable? How do you stay safe? How do you stay healthy? So. Yeah, and it's just, you know, to me, this isn't a political issue. It shouldn't be. It's some people have it's relatives who are, yeah. right. Some people have relatives who are high risk, you know, people who have recently recovered from cancer or who have, you know, diabetes. I think that we want to protect each other's loved ones. That just feels like me. It feels like common sense. Yeah, and, and the messaging, you know, from the state, I know if you just read the number stories that appear in the media each day, yeah, the numbers are going down, but still the numbers are still a little bit higher than they've been. I mean, I think I, I look back to early fall or late summer. I mean, sometimes we're having like 1,500 new cases or 1,600 new cases. So I, we're thankful that the numbers are down to, in the 3,000s now. Right. I mean, it's a lot yeah, better than the 12, so. 13 we had, but yeah. still there's 3,000 new once a day and more up toward 4,000. So yes, the numbers are going down. We're thankful for that, but the pandemic is not over. And, and sadly, um, just as a story for my regular job that said this, deaths are still going up. You know, the, the cases are down, but deaths are still up. So yeah, yeah, I mean, we're making progress on the pandemic. I mean, there's, we're going in a good path, but the, the finish line's a long way away. I mean, it's not very close. Yeah. And, you know, the basic thing you can do is just wear a mask in public. That's not yeah. that hard and yeah. it can save a life. It's worth worth that to protect human life that way. Definitely. All right. Uh, well, what do we can we look forward to next week? I mean, I, I know we'll figure out what, what is happening next week, but maybe a, a preview for what people will look for in the statehouse. Uh, what's coming next week is going to be interesting. So the budget is probably going to be introduced as a bill in the Ohio House, and then they'll start holding dozens and dozens of hearings over it in different sections. So that'll be something we can talk about probably through June. Uh, okay. They're also starting to have committee hearings and session in the next week or so that on several bills that are going to be very controversial. There's one bill, uh, SB 17, I believe it is, that is going to deal with uh, work requirements for Medicaid and SNAP benefits and a lot of uh, unemployment and things having to do with the working poor in Ohio that are, is going to be incredibly controversial. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that one as well. Any good nuggets you heard? I mean, we always love to have fun talking about the governor and I guess this Republican Senate race. Well, I mean, it's not just Republicans, Republican versus Democrat. Any nuggets for people in or out? I mean, I know in the media, there's been a lot of reports of people saying, I'm not interested. Have you heard anything behind the scenes? No, we, we've heard a rumor about pretty much everyone who's involved in politics at some point has been rumored to be running. So I'm excited to see who actually throws their hat in. Uh, you and I talked the other day about Tim Ryan and um, mm -hmm. uh, Nan Whaley. And it's interesting. Uh, Lisa, I heard they're both interested in the government. They're both interested in the Senate. So maybe they'll get together and say, hey, you do this, I'll do this. And that's all they know who's going to run. But I mean, that's the two main candidates. Um, Amy Acton, I haven't heard a final word from her yet. Um, I know that there's some talk of 
that she was going to try to decide, but last week, but it hasn't happened. I think the interest of her is more in the Senate side. Right. But yeah, it, it's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, we tried to make news on our podcast. Um, we were thinking about like Amy Acton type candidates. We're not sure what their political experience or background is, but something that might be popular. And we found out that Jack Hanna was a political science major. And we're thinking, oh. ooh, you just retired. But the zoo said no. He's enjoying his family. So, yeah, <laughs> no, no Jack Hanna um, governor sightings, I guess. So, right. yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just fun to speculate. And it is fun. Who's running and who's not. So I haven't heard either way on Amy Acton, so she might be an opportunity. It, it was interesting. The last I heard, uh, there was a report in Cleveland.com saying that she was trying to make a decision by last weekend. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything. And I know there's enough speculation that you know us in the media if it's Gannett where I work for Cleveland.com I'm sure people are asking her questions and I'm sure she's probably feeling a little bit bothered where she's like okay I made my decision here it is go away you know <laughs> don't bother me anymore you know so, so yeah it should be interesting I love the speculation it's part it's a great part of what I do so <laughs> all right well thank you Rachel we appreciate it and we'll we'll see you soon and everyone thanks for checking out the Ohio you guys all have a great day Thank you.